how do you know well, if you have a rectus diastasis that's Dr. From the Columbus Dispatch, this is Roxy, Rise and Fall of the TikTok Doc. I'm Max Philby. She had part of her bowel removed because her bowel had been perforated seven times by the by the wand that they used for liposuction. And had she not had the wherewithal to refuse to accept the nonsense that it was normal, she'd be dead today. The State Medical Board of Ohio used the stories of three patients to make its case against Dr. Roxy. The voice you heard at the top of the episode was Jim Arnold, an attorney for one of those three patients. Jim's client, who was named in a lawsuit as Chastity DeSantis, was known in medical board records as Patient 2. She underwent liposuction, a Brazilian butt lift, a hernia repair, and a Renuvian J plasma procedure. After her surgery, Chastity went to stay at the so-called Roxy House, a suburban home used as a place where patients could recover. But Jim said the Roxy House wasn't always staffed with medical professionals. The day after her surgery, Chastity ended up in the ER of Dublin Methodist Hospital. Her bowel had been perforated seven times, Jim said. Chastity spent months healing from the incident, but Jim said there's more recovery to go. She's had a good recovery. She has had some complications that I believe are resolving. She has an abdominal scar that she never would have had if they didn't have to go in and, and resect part of the bowel. So cosmetically, it's, I mean, the irony is she went to a cosmetic surgeon to improve her appearance, and she ended up looking worse off. Chastity's story is an important one because it marks one final turning point in Dr. Roxy's story. Chastity's ordeal, along with those of the other two patients, were cited as a main reason the state medical board suspended Dr. Roxy's license in November 2022. Her work, the board said, did not meet the expected standard of care. About six months later, the hearings began. Unfortunately, There is no audio or video of the hearings, but I did get hundreds of pages of transcripts and went through them to give you the highlights. Dr. Roxy testified that she had been filming surgeries as far back as 2014. Back then, she was posting videos of operations on Snapchat. In the last five years of her practice, Dr. Roxy said she was doing around 1,100 procedures a year. On average, a plastic surgeon performs around 320 procedures a year, according to the American Society for Aesthetic Plastic Surgery. A doctor who served as an expert witness in the medical board hearings testified that he typically did around mm, 350 procedures a year. That same doctor said that years ago, He performed around 600 or 700 procedures a year, but that 1,100 procedures a year meant that Roxy Plastic Surgery was, quote, unusually busy, end quote. 
Dr. Roxy's practice also did not have an ambulatory surgical facilities license from the Ohio Department of Health. The doctor told the board she didn't know that she needed the certificate. During the hearing, Melinda Snyder, who represented the state attorney general's office, offered an interesting observation about Dr. Roxy. She said, quote, It was almost impossible in this proceeding to separate where the persona of Dr. Roxy stops and where the physician begins, end quote. Reading through the state's cross-examination of Dr. Roxy, there was a section of back and forth that stuck out to me. Here's my two colleagues, Bethany Bruner and Sheridan Hendricks, reading it. You're Dr. Roxy. Do you consider that to be kind of a persona? Do you know what I mean by a persona? I think I'm just being myself. Okay. And you refer to your patients as Roxy's Foxies? They made that up themselves, actually. I mean, to me, that looks like kind of a branding, right? Like, you're branded as Dr. Roxy, you have Roxy's Foxies, you have foxes on here. People gave us foxes all the time. Do you think that that persona led you to make decisions about patient care that you wouldn't have otherwise made? Absolutely not. I think, like I said, I was portraying myself, and I am that person. I am outgoing, and I am personable to my patients, and I am an amazing, hardworking doctor who cares more than any other doctor that I've trained with about how much, how my patients are, how they do. I... They help with me. I care about their outcome. I do so many things to, to provide safety for them. And I think, I think that they're what you're asking about is the optics we were talking about. I can see how to people it would look like I was caring more about this or posting a TikTok rather than taking care of a patient. But it never was like that. I, I go to the OR. I take care of the patient. After the day is done, we're filming something. On a Saturday, we're filming something. I was doing it on top of being a surgeon, and I, I, I wasn't trying to create some persona. I was being that person who is someone these women could talk to. You know, that is me. On May 19th, 2023, the final day of the medical board's hearing, attorneys for each side gave their closing arguments. Sabrina Sellers defended her client. Here's my colleague, Bailey Gallion, reading part of her closing argument. This is a hearing about a physician's privilege to practice medicine. Dr. Roxy, which she has repeatedly been called this week, is being held to a different standard based on perception and optics and not based on fact. She goes by Dr. Roxy because her patients dubbed her that. Dr. Roxy is not a persona. Dr. Roxy is a mother, a physician, and a woman sitting here fighting for her license. Dr. Roxy is a quick way for her patients to say her name because growy is not the easiest thing to say. It's nothing more than that. And again, here's my colleague, Bethany Bruner, reading portions of the state's closing argument. What happened in this case is that Dr. Growy's use of social media broke down that wall of professionalism that exists between a physician and her patient. Dr. Roxy's fun and beautiful and charming, and she wanted to be relatable. 
She wanted to connect with her patients on a very personal level. But in doing so, she lost her professionalism. These aren't parties. These are major surgeries with life-threatening potential complications. And Dr. Roxy doesn't seem to understand that. That's why that Dr. Roxy persona is dangerous. A few weeks after the hearings ended, a hearing examiner recommended to the full medical board that Dr. Roxy be stripped of her license to practice medicine. Unlike the hearings, there is audio of the meeting where the medical board took up this matter. Please turn to the matter of Catherine Roxy O'Reilly. A request to address the board has been filed on behalf of Dr. Brown. Five minutes will be allowed for that address. Despite her five-minute time limit, Dr. Roxy spoke for around eight minutes total. Early on, she addressed her name. I want to play a clip of that for you now, mainly because her story changed. Previously, both the doctor and her attorney insisted that Dr. Roxy was just a name her patients gave her. But in this medical board meeting, the doctor contradicted her earlier statements. It seems the medical board believed that during my practice, I created a social media persona or a character called Dr. Roxy. But there's some confusion here. Since I was a child, I've always gone by my middle name, Roxanne. My patients, friends, and colleagues have always called me Roxy. This is not a persona, a name endeared to me by my patients or some type of influencer. Rather, Roxy is who I was before I became a doctor and who I will continue to be after this process is over. Throughout my time working on this podcast, I reached out to Dr. Roxy. I tried to reach her over email and by phone. I emailed and called her attorney. I went to try to reach out to Dr. Roxy on Instagram, but she had blocked me. I never got a response. With that in mind, I think it's only fair to play a clip from the medical board meeting where Dr. Roxy explains what the loss of her medical license has meant to her. I have been reprimanded in a way that was harder than I ever thought it could be. My children have been attacked at school because of the social, because of the media presence. It's invaded my house. My husband left me because of the stress of this. I had to fire 20 people and they lost their health care. One of them just found out she was pregnant. I didn't get to say goodbye to my patients or take care of them. And I'm not saying that because I want anyone to feel sorry for me, but I just want you to know that this has been the most humbling experience of my entire life. And just like you would give a chance to somebody who's a recovering addict to have one more chance to prove that they can change and make the correct changes to their practice, I can do that too. I can see the things that I should have done differently, and I can make those changes. Despite Dr. Roxy's plea, board members did not let her off the hook. Before they voted to revoke her license, a few of them took the time to admonish her for what she was accused of. Here's Dr. Jonathan Feibel, Vice President of the Medical Board, talking about Dr. Roxy's actions and motivations. We are left with three patients who had surgery performed by the social media star, Dr. Raleigh, and had horrendous life-changing outcomes. These outcomes were not normal complications like those that exist in the routine practice of medicine 
but were rather caused by recklessness and disregard for the rules governing the practice of medicine in Ohio. Dr. Raleigh's social media persona was more important to her than the lives of the patients she treated. Some of Dr. Roxy's former patients watched the medical board dress down the surgeon remotely via YouTube. Sarah Duckett watched remotely from Florida. She couldn't believe what she heard Dr. Roxy saying. Instead of Dr. Roxy taking responsibility for what she had done, Sarah said it seemed like the doctor played the victim. The fact that you were talking to the camera instead of looking at your patient. Like you perforated somebody's bowel. Do you realize that you could become septic and die that way? Do you realize that untreated cellulitis can kill someone? I mean, if that infection had gotten into my blood, I could have died. And that's right there by my heart and my lungs. That's serious. Mary Jenkins, the first patient to file a lawsuit against Dr. Roxy, went to the July medical board meeting in person. For Mary, it was an emotional day. She teared up when Dr. Roxy was finally stripped of her license. But Mary said she also felt relieved in that moment. And I remember walking out of the room, making certain that I was right there, because I wanted to be the first person that she saw when she came out that room, because um, I wanted her to remember, because I've been saying all I've wanted all this time was her license, and it finally happened. Since Dr. Roxy didn't return my calls, it's hard to know exactly how the medical board's final decision phased her. But her posts on Instagram offer a clue. On the very day that her medical license was revoked for good, Dr. Roxy posted an image of someone walking on what looks like sand dunes. Over the image are the words, quote, you don't always have to tell your side of the story. Time will, end quote. In the comments of the image, Dr. Roxy talked with some of her followers. When some asked her what happened, she responded with phrases such as witch hunt and boys club. As of early November, Dr. Roxy still had at least 122,000 followers on Instagram. was obviously unique about the case against Dr. Roxy was the social media angle. She used it to promote herself and her practice, to much success for a while anyway. But it also proved to be part of what took her down. There was video evidence of her potentially injuring at least one patient, if not more. That social media was ultimately her, her undoing. You know, it's like she lived and died by it. There's some irony in that. That was Beth Bannadam, one of Dr. Roxy's former patients who we profiled in Episode 3. She, along with the other patients I spoke with, are members of that online Facebook support group. Although I never went under Dr. Roxy's knife myself, the administrators of the group allowed me to join to get some perspective. Some patients, like Beth, Mary Jenkins, and Sarah Duckett, used their actual photos and names in the support group. 
Others chose to remain anonymous. Scrolling through the support group is almost overwhelming. There are dozens and dozens of women who have shared their stories. With a one-year limit on the statute of limitations for medical malpractice in Ohio, it's clear many of these women may never get the justice they feel they deserve. But their stories of suffering offer a warning to others shopping for a plastic surgeon on social media. She hurt me and I will forever have scars and be deformed because of her. She was a monster long before she was internet famous as Dr. Roxy. I was dumb enough to let her work on me twice. The problem is that we all thought that we were the only one because she was internet famous. So no one ever spoke up. I've now had multiple surgeries attempting to correct her I was her just errors. told today that I have bilateral capsular contracture no from her two damage being done. Unfortunately, I spent close to twenty thousand dollars. After having a surgery and, and one notice of the failure of my life, I had my injury. A lot of us needed to be diagnosed. She was a monster of surgeries to fix which internet famous as Dr. Roxy. Roxy, rise and fall of the TikTok doc is a production of the Columbus Dispatch. Our audio engineer is Patrick Flaherty. Story editing by N. Carnita Pyle. Photography and videography by Doral Chenoweth. Rebecca Rice-Motler handled audience research. And Eric Weigel and Stephen Fields handled promotional efforts. Reporting and narration by me, Max Philby. Read more stories, hear additional victim voices, and see a timeline of Dr. Roxy's career online at dispatch.com slash Dr. Roxy. To support more local journalism like this podcast, subscribe to the Columbus Dispatch by visiting subscribe.dispatch.com.